Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I do want to make a recommendation. If you're going to break something, don't break a leg. I've heard that all my life. Go break a leg. I don't advise on breaking a leg. A finger would be okay, but not a leg. But 13 weeks ago yesterday, I decided that I couldn't no longer walk on a muddy sidewalk, and I slipped and fell, and I haven't spoken since then. So I thank my pastor for allowing me to share from Psalms 23 tonight. Aren't you thankful and grateful for your pastor, your pastor's wife? Amen. And so I'm, I'm very honored to be able to be here tonight. I'm also honored to have my incredible mom who drove me all the way over here. And uh, she's an amazing lady. And uh, I'm very thankful for her and my father and the heritage that they have given me. Moms and dads, uh, the greatest thing that you can give your children is a heritage of prayer and love for God's word. And that's what they've given me. And I'm very thankful that she's here today. Amen. Last week, uh, we also handed out a little handout, said praying the Psalms. How many of you got that last week? You got that with your handout last week? My mom actually helped us create that. Uh, it's based on the Lord's Prayer, and I just encourage you to take this. How many of you sometimes just get stuck praying and you don't know what to pray next? Anybody honest? I call it spiritual ADHD, right? I mean, it's just like you just get distracted and a great way to refocus and a great way to get started is to pray the word. Everybody say, pray the word. And I definitely encourage you to pray the Psalms. Amen. So let's dive into this. Lord, I thank you for your spirit, your presence. I thank you for your worship that's here today and the power of this worship, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would anoint my mind and my spirit and my heart. Let it become not my words and my thoughts, but your words and your thoughts and just lead us through this tonight, God, because we know that this is your word. So I just pray that your word would go forth and it would do its work, Lord, past the weakness of this vessel, because it's a weak vessel, but you are made strong through my weakness. And I thank you for it. If you're thankful for the word of God, could you just put your hands together and thank the Lord before you're seated? Amen. How many of you enjoy, have enjoyed the Psalm series? We've had a great time. I also want to thank Lauren. Uh, wave your hand, Lauren. She has done an incredible job with the creative team, helping us with all the graphics and, uh, and everything that goes with this. And it's, it, it has taken a lot of work. And I, I want to say that I'm very thankful for her and Connor uh, for helping us out. And uh, we have a handout here tonight. We may not get all the uh, slides to you, but if we miss something, how many of you... You, you like to always fill in all of your spot, your slots. You're like me, right? So I promise if we miss something, um, we'll go through this and you can get me after Bible study tonight and we'll try to fill this in. I know some of you are already asking, what could we say more about Psalms 23? Because you've heard it. How many of you memorized it as a child, right? You've heard it talked about, you've heard it read at funerals, all of these different things. But how many of you have discovered that God's word has layers to it that are discoverable if we'll make the effort? Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to make the effort though. So many times there's scriptures and chapters in the Bible that we look at, we teach from, we read, we listen, 
and we wonder, well, how much more can be there? But I promise you, there's more to Psalms 23 than just the Lord is my shepherd. That's a good starting point, but it's more than just that. Daniel Kidner, in his incredible commentary on Psalms 23, said, Depth and strength underline the simplicity of this psalm. Its peace is not escape. Its contentment is not complacency. There is a readiness to face deep darkness and imminent attack. And the climax reveals a love that homes toward no material goal, but to the Lord himself. I would love for us to press the reset button. Everybody say press the reset button. And ask God tonight in the next 30 minutes for a deeper revelation of what there is. Amen. Than just something that makes us feel good. Amen. Number one, we have to understand that not only was David talking about himself, but David was also prophesying. David was prophesying about the anointed shepherd king that was yet to come, whose name is Jesus Christ. We also have to be reminded that this psalm was very personal to David. Most of us know that David was a shepherd. Many people, there's a great debate among commentaries, and I've read a couple in the last couple of weeks preparing for tonight. There's a great debate when David actually wrote this psalm. Some believe that he wrote it when he was before he was anointed. Some believe that he wrote it after he was anointed with the context that he was a shepherd. But I believe that there's a lot of things here if we'll take a moment tonight and just discover them. Everybody say discover them. So let's read Psalms 23 and verse 1. The Lord, everybody say the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, when I was a little kid, even though I was raised in a preacher's home, I could not figure out why David did not want the Lord as his shepherd. I just didn't understand it then. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Read it with me. He what leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen. All the days of my life. Everybody say, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice how David starts his poem here today. David does not start his address with the idea of a generic God. This is the covenant God of Israel. This is Jehovah, the God who keeps his covenant promises to his people. The Lord, the covenant keeping God of Israel is my shepherd. I want us to see something here because I believe in these first few verses, uh, there is a layer here that we may not understand if we don't dive deep into the understanding of how Jesus fulfills this. Everybody say, Jesus. In other words, this wasn't just David's psalm, but this was a messianic psalm. Everybody say, a messianic psalm. How do we see this? We see the revealed names of not just Jehovah, but the compound names of Jehovah Right here in Psalms 23. He restoreth my soul. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord who heals all. 
How does Jesus fulfill this? 2 Peter 2, 24. He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, by whose stripes ye were healed. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals all things. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. In Christ Jesus, who become to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Thou art with me, Jehovah Shema. The Lord is always here. He is like an ever-present light that never goes out. He stood on the last day of the feast in John 8 and he said I am the light of the world he is Jehovah Nisi he is the Lord our victory in our banner he has made a table in the presence of my enemies Paul would write to the Corinthians but thanks be to God who giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ He is Jehovah Kaddish. He anointeth my head with oil. He is the Lord who sanctifies. Hebrews 10 says, By a single offering, Christ has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Why is this important to us today? Why is it important to us today? Everything that God promised David in Psalms 23 is now mine through Jesus Christ. That's why there's, this is much more than just a simple poetic promise. It is that, but it is much more. It's not just a song of an individual, but what God has done for his chosen king. And he has done it for his namesake. Ladies and gentlemen, these are covenant promises. Everybody say covenant promises. And they restate the covenant promise from Abraham on down. A covenant is not a contract. Why? Because a contract can be broken. But God never breaks his promise. He keeps his covenant whether I'm faithful or not. Let me say that again. God is faithful whether I am faithful or not. God keeps his promise. So God in his covenant promise is saying throughout this psalm, I am with you. I am with you. Say that with me. I am with you. And in a moment, we're going to see David say back to God in verse 6 as a confirmation. You are with me. Lord, I acknowledge that your promises are true. I acknowledge, Lord, that you cannot go back on your word. I am worshiping you because your word is steadfast. Ladies and gentlemen, over the last three to four months, I have found myself in some dark times. And some dark moments when everyone was asleep and it was just me and the Lord and his word. And sometimes when you get in those valleys and all you have is God and all you have is his word. You have to remind yourself that God is a covenant keeping God. This is one of the highest forms of prayer and worship. uh, Simply repeating back to God his promises. Uh, That's why we spend the time and the money and the energy to create these tools uh, for you. Uh, I'm encouraging. uh, If you don't pray anything else this summer, learn to pray the Psalms. Uh, Make it a habit. Everybody say, make it a habit. Let's look at this a little bit deeper. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David knew that he was the shepherd king. Ever before David was a king, he was a shepherd. He knew shepherding and he knew sheep. 
And he knew what it took to preserve these sheep. But he saw Jehovah, the Lord God of Israel, as his shepherd. And he speaks in the psalm as he is one of the flock. It's like David is literally boasting out loud. Look who my shepherd is. Look who my Lord is. He is my owner. He is my manager. The Lord God. The beginningless and endless creator of the universe is the God that I serve. The beginningless and endless Jehovah God of Israel who promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is my shepherd. David knew from firsthand experience that a lot of the things that happen with sheep depend on the type of person who owned the sheep. Under one man, sheep may struggle, starve in endless heartache and hardship. But on another shepherd, they would thrive and they would flourish. So with emphasis, David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, the Lord chose me. Look at your neighbor and say, God chose you. You didn't choose God. Let me say that again. God chose you. He bought you with a price. He bought you with the price of his blood. He calls you by his name. He makes you his own. And God delights in taking care of you. I love the NIV because the NIV says this. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack anything. I'm reminded of the little girl who was in Sunday school. And the Sunday school teacher said, Does anyone, can anyone recite the entire 23rd Psalm? And this little four-year-old girl raised her hand. The teacher was kind of skeptical. She didn't know that she could quote all six verses. But she came to the front of the Sunday school class and she said, The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. She took a bow and sat back down. I think she's got it. (laughs) The idea throughout the psalm is that we are utterly contented in the shepherd's care. There should be nothing else that we need to desire. Notice how the Lord supplies every need. He does not supply our wants. The Bible says, my God shall supply all of your needs according how? To his riches and glory uh, through Christ Jesus. Uh, The same one uh, who brought Israel through the wilderness uh, and gave them bread and quail and manna and water from the rock. Uh, The same God who brought uh, food to Elijah at the brook. Uh, The same God who sent the disciples out with nothing. Uh, The same God who took three loaves and two fishes uh, and multiplied them uh, and fed 5,000. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's the God that I'm talking about. Uh, That's the shepherd that I'm talking about. Uh, He is my shepherd. Uh, Shout that right now. He is my shepherd. I don't need anything else. From early dawn to late at night, the good shepherd is alert to the welfare of his flock. He gets early in the morning. He goes out to look over his flock. He examines. He goes to a lot of trouble to provide them the best places to grain, clean water, shelter from the storms, protection, day and night. That is the shepherd that we have, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus would say in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Truly, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything else. Number two, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's not easy for a sheep to lie down. 
A strange thing about sheep is they will refuse to lie down as there's four requirements. Number one, they must be free from all fear. They must be free from all fear. There must be no, number two, there must be no tension between the members of the flock. Number three, there must not be aggravated by parasites or flies. Number four, they must be free from hunger. It is the shepherd who must see to it that his flock is free from any disturbances. Sheep are easily frightened. When one startled, many will run after him because they are startled as well. But there's nothing that quiets the flock of a sheep like seeing their shepherd in the field with them. Us, like sheep, can be easily frightened. All of us, at some point in our life, deal with fear. Amen? I dealt with fear all week, thinking, how am I going to get up on that platform and sit on a stool in front of you and teach? Fear. It is the unknown, the unexpected, that frightens us the most. But nothing quiets our soul better than knowing that our shepherd is near. Our Lord is with us. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Let me say that again. But of power and of love and a sound mind. Also, the struggle between the sheep and the herd are those, the anxiety of relationships. Sheep will not rest if there is constant contention. How many of you know people that live in constant tension and contention with other people? Is there any peace in that? In fact, these sheep kind of remind me of myself sometimes. A sheep will not rest when bothered by the aggravation of insects and parasites. The shepherd must provide for them, and we'll talk about that in a second. A sheep will not rest if they are free, if until they're free from hunger. A hungry sheep is always on his feet, always trying to get another bite of food to satisfy that gnawing hunger. And you've got to know where they were at. They were in a place that was barren. It was dry. So shepherds had to search out green areas to cultivate for themselves. But when that sheep had eaten enough, when it was free from fear, tension and aggravation, it would lie down. I don't have time to go into this, but one of the most beautiful illustrations of Jesus being also our shepherd is the understanding that he is also the door to the sheep fold. Uh, at night that shepherd would lay itself in that space uh, so that anything that would try to come uh, and attack those sheep uh, must first come uh, and attack that shepherd. Uh, our spiritual shepherd provides us everything that we have need of. If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, God has promised to fill, fulfill us. Uh, all of my needs are met in Jesus Christ. Uh, why? Because he's leading me and guiding me to lie down uh, peacefully in green pastures. The phrases, he leads me, green pastures, he guides me, is actually an echo from Exodus 15. This was on the other side of the Red Sea. This was actually a song that Israel sung. It was God's deliverance. And this is the verse. In your unfailing love, in other words, in your covenant love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. That word holy dwelling literally means a safe pasture. A safe 
pasture. It is God's unfailing covenant love that will lead us and guide us and provide for us and fight for us. I believe that tonight. Jesus made it clear that the only way that we can be filled, uh, he said, if any man thirsts, what? Let him come to me and uh, drink. Uh, Our shepherd leads us beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Everybody say, he restoreth my soul. There's an old shepherd's term that says, that uh, refers to a sheep as a cast sheep. Everybody say a cast sheep. This is a sheep that has turned on its back and it can't get back up again. It's got to have help. And if a shepherd doesn't arrive in time, that sheep will die. How many of you knew that? Isn't that interesting? That a sheep cannot get back on its feet by itself. The sheep will die. So there's one of the reasons why a shepherd is always looking over the flock. Counting them to see That they're all on their feet. If one is missing, he does what? He leaves the 99 and he goes out to find the one that is strayed. Many times a shepherd will search for hours for a single sheep. Finding it helpless, he will put it back on its feet. Rub its legs to make sure that circulation comes back. This is probably what David had in mind. Many commentators says, he restoreth my soul. Why? Because that's how the Lord treats us. When we stumble and fall, we become helpless. Yet our shepherd is patient and tender and helpful and getting us back on our feet. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you look at the Gospels, uh, Jesus was drawn to the most helpless uh, and the most hopeless uh, of sinners. Uh, When we are living in sin, we cannot help ourselves. It is God's grace uh, that searches us out, uh, that finds us, uh, that puts us back on our feet. When we're lost, we don't even know how lost we were. That's why we can't say, well, I found the Lord. No, the Lord found you. You were on your back flailing around, hopeless and helpless. The devourers were ready to destroy you. But a shepherd came along and said, no, this one's mine. Oh, we have something to be thankful for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Have we heard this verse and these chapters so much that we forget how there's such power in the simplicity of this? He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. If sheep are left to themselves, they'll constantly graze in the same place and they'll turn it into a wasteland. They'll gnaw the grass to the ground. Even the roots will become damaged. They need a shepherd to what? To lead them and to guide them. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're left to our own agendas in our own ways, we'll find our place trying to feast in a wasteland. Let me say that again. If we leave ourselves, if we just get separated from the Word of God and the leadership of the Spirit, we'll find ourselves in a wasteland, in a dry land with nothing to feed us. How many of you are thankful for a local shepherd who feeds you the word of God? All we are like sheep, Isaiah says. All of us have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way. So we need a shepherd who will lead us back 
into the paths of righteousness. Notice that he is not driving the sheep. He is leading the sheep. Notice he's not driving them. He is leading them. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Our Lord has led us. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ, Hebrews says, has already gone before us. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ has already gone before us. There's nothing that you're facing today in 2022 that the Lord Jesus Christ has not already faced and overcome. Our Lord leads. And he leads us into paths of righteousness. And let me say this. It's his righteousness, not my righteousness. Let me say that again. It's his righteousness, not my righteousness. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said. What? Except through me. We have to be led by him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. All of a sudden, this psalm changes tones. Up to this point, it's like a sheep has been looking over the fence to another sheep, talking about a shepherd. But now it turns to address the shepherd directly. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us are going to go through valleys. There's some of you here today that have been through many valleys. Some of you have been through deeper and darker valleys. But all of us will have valleys and will have experiences in those valleys. All of us, if the Lord tarries, will go through the valley of death. The psalmist is saying that the Lord leads us through what? The valley, the shadow of death. We have to understand that while we're in these valleys, the key part to this scripture, and I would love for you to take it and to underline it here in your handout or verse 4. I don't know if you mark up your Bible, but this is what my Psalms 23 looks like right now, is I want you to underline the word through. Through. Everybody say through. I think the key word here is through. The dictionary defines through like this. In at one end, side, surface, and out on the other. The promise is never that we will be exempt from the valley. The promise is when I walk through the valley, he is with me through the valley. And since I'm going through the valley, by the word's definition, I get, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm coming out on the other side of what I'm going through. Oh, I wish I had some help right now. I know that I may be in the valley, but by very definition, the word through says I'm coming out on the other side. And why I'm going through He promised not to jerk me out, but to walk with me through it. Why? Because there's some things in me that still need to go through valleys to understand the God that is a covenant-keeping Jehovah God who will never leave me nor forsake me. Look at your neighbor and say, God is going to see you through. 
Come on, look at him. Say, God is going to see you through. I don't know what valley you're going through, but God is going to see you through. I said, God is going to see you through. I don't know what the end looks like, but God is going to see you through. God is going to see you through. That rod and that staff, they comfort me. A shepherd had two tools. They were weapons. They weren't for the sheep to beat the sheep. They were to beat off the wolves and the ravenous beasts that would come and to attack the sheep. But that staff would also reach for those sheep that he could not reach with his arms. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. In this place, this wilderness place, there were high plateaus where sheep pasture would be called a mesa. It's actually the Spanish word for table. This is fairly common language. And David knew where that pasture land was because he had taken sheep on a journey many times over. In the spring, the snow would melt. The shepherd would take his sheep up the, up the mountain. If you look at the words here in the commentary, it's literally like the sheep are ascending on a hillside. But first, the shepherd would go up into the rough wild country and check it out. He would take along a supply of salt and minerals to distribute over the range. He would decide which camps need to be located. He would find the vegetation that is sturdy enough. He would check for poisonous weeds and uncover snakes. In similar fashion, our Lord takes care of us in the presence of our enemies. The Lord has gone before us. Ladies and gentlemen, Hebrews 4.15 says uh, that the Lord has been tempted in all points like as we are. Let me remind you of something. There is nothing on the face of this earth and in this life that Jesus did not face and overcome himself. Say, David, you don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know what I'm facing with. I promise you, if you'll search a little deeper, I promise you, you will find the answer to whatever you're dealing with in the Word of God. And most likely here, right here in the Psalms. You want to know why I love David? Because David had good days and bad days. David had times when he was angry at God and he had times when he loved God and nothing could, everything was great in the world. David had ups, David had downs. David's family was against him. David fought against uh, giants and, and nations that were trying to destroy him. Uh, David endured all of these things. Uh, but the constant thing that David always reminded himself, uh, Lord, uh, you uh, are with me. Uh, Lord, you are with me. There is an image here that cannot be overlooked. Here is literally what David is saying. David is saying, You have prepared a victory feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And they are subdued observers to the bountiful blessings that God has prepared for me. Ah, Oh, you got to get a hold of this. (laughs) My cup is not just full. My cup is overflowing. And you know what, Lord? You prepared a table right in the middle of my enemies. And you've subdued them and defeated them. And now you're going to make them sit down and watch how blessed I am. Oh, 
I wish I could stand up and preach right now. In other words, the covenant-keeping God of Israel is initiating a feast that's showing your enemies that he's always got your back. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's the God that I serve. I said, that's the God that I serve. High five your neighbor and say, God's got your back. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. He anoints my head and he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. It's interesting that these sheep had insects, flies, mosquitoes, gnats that would get into their nasal ca- uh, cavity, their, it would get around their eyes and their ears. They would lay eggs and they would hatch and they would turn into larvae. It becomes a great deal of aggravation. In fact, it would drive sheep to be mad to where they would literally butt their head against the ground or rock because they could not get free from those uh, parasites. So at the beginning of the season, the shepherds would mix oil. In Palestine, they would use olive oil, sulfur, and spices. And they would anoint. They would literally pour it all over the head of the sheep and they would rub it into their head and they would rub it over their ears. It was also used to cure a a highly contagious disease among sheep. It's interesting to me to see this. And the Lord has really deposited this in my spirit over the last week. That the places that the oil is applied are applied to areas of sensitivity. Places of sensory. Around the nose, the ears, and the eyes. Prophet Isaiah says this, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. I wonder, ladies and gentlemen, if we are not careful, we can process things through what we see and what we hear instead of God's word. And they will become a yoke to us. In other words, we're using our senses, what we see and what we hear, instead of God's word. And they turn into yokes, burdens that you and I were never created to carry. But there's an anointing. I said there's an anointing through the power of the Holy Ghost and the word of God. That will break every yoke, every lie, every voice. To whom is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or we think. We don't have the capacity to ask because we don't have the capacity to think. We don't have the the capacity to think like God thinks. That's why we got to get past our own thinking and our own sight. Ah, We got to get past that and we got to start to filter this through God's word. Our Lord gives us everything. His anointing breaks every yoke. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord together. 
mercy here. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me very carefully. I know it's late on a Wednesday night, but you got to get this. Mercy is the covenant word rendered steadfast love. God's steadfast love is pursuing me. God's steadfast love and goodness is pursuing me. To follow does not mean to just bring up the rear in the original language. But it means to pursue. (laughs) In other words, God is chasing me down with his mercy and his steadfast love. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said God is chasing me down. God is chasing me down with his steadfast love and his mercy. His mercy is his favor. Pastor talked about it last week in Psalms 18. We talked about it in our online devotion. In Psalms 5, David says this. His favor is a shield all around me. In other words, his mercy, his favor that I did not deserve is a shield all around me. I know I make mistakes. I know I've chosen bad things and bad paths and bad decisions. But his goodness and his mercy is chasing me down. Chasing me down. When a shepherd buys, purchases a sheep, he takes a very sharp instrument and he makes a distinctive mark in the ear of that sheep. That way, he knows when he looks out across that hillside. He sees that scar of ownership and he knows whose sheep that is. There's a mark of ownership for men and women who recognize the claim of Jesus Christ and give allegiance to his absolute ownership. There comes a question of bearing his mark. What is that mark? Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, Let them deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a sad fact, ladies and gentlemen, that a lot of people want the Lord to be their shepherd. But they really don't want him to be their Lord. Remember what Lord is? It's a covenant. And when you ask Jesus Christ to be Lord over your life, when you repent of your sins... When you go down, as this brother is about to go down in the waters of baptism, that is a covenant covenant. action. And when you come up out of that water, you're not coming up wet. You're coming up with the mark of the cross of Jesus Christ. I wish I had time to unfold this. But every one of us who have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of your sins, uh, you are marked. I said you are marked. You are marked by the blood of Jesus. When the enemy sees you in the spirit world, honey, he sees the blood of Jesus. He knows whose sheep you are. As I finish tonight, Jesus... In John 10, he says, the sheep hear my voice 
And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out where he has brought out all of his own. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why is this important? Under the old covenant, the sheep had to die for the shepherd. Under the new covenant, the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, I said under the new covenant, the shepherd, Jesus Christ, has died once and for all. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who can be both Lamb of God and the great shepherd. I said Jesus Christ is the only one uh, who can be both the Lamb of God uh, and the great shepherd. As the musicians come, I want to finish with Revelation 7. I've read this many times and I've never seen this before. Revelation 7 as you stand. And I'll try to stand. He said, these are they who have come out of great tribulation. John said, who is this that's standing before the throne? He said, these are they who have come out of great tribulation and washed their robes. He's made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are now before the throne of God and they serve Him day and night in His temple. He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor they walk in any heat. But hear what He says in verse 17. And I've never seen this before, Pastor. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear. The Lamb and the great shepherd who is Jesus Christ one day ladies and gentlemen we're not just headed to a city we're headed to a place of rest are you hearing me Psalm 23 wasn't just for David and it wasn't just pointing to Jesus in the New Testament but it was pointing to a future because that very last verse there is not the house of God as in a physical building where we worship It's in a place of eternity. And we shall dwell in His presence forever. How? Besides still waters. Are you hearing me? Besides still waters. No more fear, Sister Diane. No more anxiety. No more needs. None of all. Everything will be met, Pastor. How many of you thankful that you know your shepherd tonight? Could you just raise your hand right now and begin to thank the Lord all over this place? As the singers come, hallelujah. Come on, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to let that come out of your mouth. Personalize that right now. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your power and your presence that's in this room right now. How many of you have a need in your life? You just slip up your hand right now before we baptize. You have a need right now. Could you just gently rest your hand on the shoulder of that person that you're standing next to and let's pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, you know every need. We just heard your word today. And your word says, because you are a covenant-keeping God, there's no need in our life that can't be fulfilled. So I thank you, Lord, right now for meeting every need that's in this building right now. Come on, all over this place, let's begin to pray one for another. Let's lift one another's needs up right now. Lord, we thank you. You're meeting every need right here on a Wednesday night. A simple Bible study about Psalms 23. But you're meeting needs right here in this room right now. Because you're the covenant-keeping God of Israel. You're the covenant-keeping God that is Jehovah. Every promise that David has is mine, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't you appreciate the word? Thank you, Brother Grigsby, for that incredible word from the Lord. Brother Nate and I have had a discussion before service. He knows what he's doing. He understands the gravity of what he is doing. And he is about to enter into that covenant when he bears the mark of that great name. Brother Nate, this is, son, your spiritual family right here. And you are going down in the name of Jesus, which is a type. You have repented of your sins, which is a type of death. Baptism is a type of burial. And then when you come up, it is a type of the resurrection and being empowered through the gift of the Holy Ghost to live an overcoming life. Amen. So what you're doing now, this is more than just water to cleanse your flesh. This is water to cleanse every sin that you have ever committed. And now it is under the blood and God remembers none of your sin anymore. And you will carry on the precious name of Jesus. So if you will now, Nate, take your hand and hold your nose. Take your other hand. And on the confession of your faith, son, and the obedience to God's command, we now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. Come on, somebody, lift up the name of Jesus right now. Father, we thank you for the purposes of God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that now, Nate, Lord, bears your name. And we thank you, Lord, for the purposes of God that will unfold in his life. That he is in covenant with you in the name of the Lord. Continue, God, to lead and guide and direct him in the mighty name of Jesus. And help us, oh God, that we, Lord, would serve Nate, that Nate would serve this body in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and we give you praise. Everybody give Nate a big hand. Amen. Amen. Will the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he lead you and guide you. May the Lord put you at the right place at the right time. Have a great night. 
Be back Sunday. Let's expect a great move of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being here in Jesus' name.